0: Magazine piece came out, which was just about Astral Weeks and the Boston-Cambridge Connection. And people really liked that and were passing it around. And also people were coming out of the woodwork who were also involved in the story. People I was told were dead as well. Like, And they'd, get, they'd be like, I thought he was dead. you know. <laughs> I thought I was dead. <laughs> we're all dead. <laughs> so, And then a gentleman named Ed Park from Penguin Books reached out to me. And said, you know, I'm sure you're hearing from a lot of editors, but I am also obsessed with this album. Just talk to me first. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Had you heard from a lot of editors? No, no. And I'm pretty sure I lied. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, there are some, let's slot you in first. And There's Ed, some heat, as they say. Yeah, some heat. But Ed and I just instant rapport. And um, I got him, he got me. And then we went to work about how this could be a full book. And I did try to sketch out. Just this one story blown out. And um, I did it, but it, it seemed thin soup to me. It seemed not. It seemed like if I had gotten a 33 and a third sure. book deal, totally appropriate. But there was something I was like, we could go bigger. And I couldn't quite figure out how. And then Ed suggested this zany idea about like, what if um, there were other related strange stories in the city that year? And it was a portrait mm. of the city that year. And uh, but the, the astro weeks is a focus, and I think I was down on that too because I've lived here my whole life, and as far as I knew up to this point, culturally, not much had gone on here of interest.
1: You don't think of Boston as being a sort of a hub of the psychedelic hippie movement? I mean, it, obviously, it's a, a very much a college town, and right, there are college right. students here, but it's a, it's largely fraternities aside, very very seriously academic colleges.
0: Yeah. So I couldn't figure out if the city was bad at telling cool stories about itself or, like, in, in, in an inability to self-mythologize. But I was like, this is insane how many stories are kind of left on the table here. Not, you know, and not put in the proper context. How did you start tracking those down? It was – it started with just, you know, Google searches, books, more interviews. And the, the way the, – when it all snapped together is when I found out about Mel Lyman and the cult. Um, which is the B story? If Van yeah. and Astro Weeks is the A story of the book, Mel and the Cult are the B story. We're okay
1: calling it a Cults now. Is that? Yeah, it's okay. yeah. I just there were some. I don't know if I don't know if it was a C word or just other things, but but you, Before, ran into some trouble with.
0: Oh yeah, we'll get. I mean, we'll get to that. They yeah. don't like to be certainly called a Cult. Sure. Yeah, but they they Van and Mel like shared some similarities, but were of course super different. And when the story started. Man was unknown and like hard on his luck and Mel was famous. Yeah. And then when the story ends, they're flipped. Man's like the most famous songwriter ever. Yeah.
1: And Mel is literally. Dis- I mean, maybe unknown is a strong word.
0: Well, I mean, the no red carpets were rolled out here sure. in Boston. People. Like, oh, in Boston. Yeah. Okay. Because like people, people knew, knew Gloria. Them. And, yeah. Like yeah. Peter Wolf was hip enough to yeah. know Gloria, but like there's stories of people playing John Payne, the flute player being on stage and the. He's improvising, and the third song is Brian Eye Girl." He's like, "Oh, it's that guy," <laughs> where he's on stage yeah, with the guy. That's funny. And you know, just the like local musicians would tell me about like disses people would tell him after the show. Like it, he was he was a little bit unknown uh, on the ropes, I guess you would say. So, anyways, it turned out to be this big quilt patch like portrait of the city in the year. I was happy with it when it was finished. I was like, "Okay, I can't imagine this being." I don't know who would like it or if people are going to like it, but I'm very happy with this. And then I just braced myself and then people liked it, much to my relief. And so it took me kind of all over the world or half the world. And it was just a pleasure to talk about and interact with the people who, you know, every event someone holds up an old avatar that they brought or I was at that show, etc., Uh, it's been a total joy, except for the cult trying to discredit me with Penguin books.
1: Were you braced for that? Well, um, were you aware that they, that they still sort of existed in some form?
0: Yeah. And and the, the, the thing was they gave me access. Yeah. They had shut out press for decades, but when I inquired for whatever reason, they
1: let me literally in the houses up there in the hill. And you don't have a sense of what the difference was? As far as why they would give you access, no, I,
0: I really don't have a guess except for, uh, no, I, I don't know, uh, that's a mystery to me. But you know, they were like there were most of the time. The interactions were like this is an aging boomer mm-hmm. um, retirement home. But then every once in a while there would be, yeah, <laughs> this mask reveal of the old cult mentality, like such as okay. So listener, um, much of the book is me trying to figure out when, how, if Mel Lyman died. So if you don't want to know that, just fast forward in a minute or so. But, um, you know, at a certain point, I had an anonymous source who I trusted who knew, and so I knew. And so I wanted to give Jim Queskin and Jesse Lyman a last chance to kind of be more clear about it because they were purposely secretive about it. I had interviewed Jim multiple times through the book process, and he was about to play a show, but he said I could... Do the follow-ups in the green room before you went on. And so I was nervous. You know, I have to confront someone about essentially a lie or hiding mm-hmm. <laughs> hiding a corpse. Mm-hmm. And I had, you know, a few questions that <laughs> were softballs. You know, what was the difference between Greenwich Village and, <laughs> you know. Really, and then, really
1: breaking the ice before dropping yeah, the bomb.
0: And then I was like, well, Jim, you know, why were you guys secretive about Mel's death? You know, he died in... You say he died in 78, you didn't tell anyone to 85, there's no death certificate. And I lay it all out, and he pointed at me, he said, it's nobody's fucking business. And he burst into tears and stormed out. So, and I felt awful and and a little scared. Uh, I've never seen him since then. But, you know, by the end, I thought, even though I thought I made a very uh, valiant effort to be fair to every subject in the book,
1: they were going to... Maybe not love it. And they they really didn't love it. Are you, are you a book writer? Is this, is this your thing now? Do you feel like this is kind of the, what is going to define your career moving forward? Uh,
0: I, I can't say that because the first thing I did was turn around and make a new record with the band. Yeah. Which was actually a good relief because they say like they were like, oh, you're going to have post-book depression. Other writers told me that. And unless you're lucky, you don't have that second book project lined up yet. And I didn't, but I knew how to write an album yeah. with my band,
1: so that re- was really a good place to put that. That's so fun. You know, it's funny we were talking about Tanya Donnelly, and and she's a postpartum depression doula. Mm-hmm. There was a point where I was gonna like compare having a band break up to like post. And I was like, man, maybe this is not the <laughs> yeah. maybe this is not the most tactful person to have that conversation. With. But you sort of threw yourself into that project.
0: Uh, yeah, among. Uh- Totally, yeah. That was the next thing. Were you writing
1: songs at all during the process of working on the book?
0: The first song on the new record, I kind of wrote it in the order of the record, mm. appears. Um, That's pretty Which unusual. is unusual, too, for me and I, I guess for I think, a lot of people. Yeah, in general.
1: You sequence it at some point during the production process, mixing process. Right. But for whatever reason, the order, it, almost, there's, there's like two. Sure. But, but that lead-off track is the first one you wrote. Yeah, and I
0: wrote it just about when I was finished with the manuscript I remember the only thing I did while I wrote that book outside of that book was at the end started to write songs again and then in the middle I just needed to do something else and I wrote the 20th anniversary of Silver Jews Natural Bridge piece for Stereo Gum which was like a good Refresher. Yeah. I think that was the halfway point.
1: Yeah, I saw in a an interview with you about the new record that you know you were you were you know, discussing. I guess going through some depression while you were working on the record. Yeah, was any of that actually a direct result of having finished the book? You know, it's the kind of thing like you. It's can't, hard to uncouple. You can't quite figure out. Sure.
0: Because there was there was a lot of varial, variables, but I definitely was putting it in the red. To finish the book and then you know promote it in the way that I wanted to, as far as just like not
1: sleeping,
0: yeah, and, and keeping yeah. keeping a day job, um, yeah, that's demanding and hard. And where did you find the time? Yeah, that's a good question. So yeah, <laughs> so and maybe the book is finished. <laughs> yeah. It's in the world. You did it. Yeah. So um, um, but I can't I can't say it, it's because of that or it plays a major. I don't know, but yeah, I, I went through a real terrible kind of dark thing which you know i i i'd experienced maybe similar things but this was different and i didn't quite know how to get out of it which scared me do
1: you run at all have you run have you spent yeah 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 so so there's this thing that i mean you know your body does it just in general but it definitely does it when you run wherein you know a part of you gets injured and you sort of you, co- you compensate, right? Right. That's how you fuck up your other foot. Right. You know, you put more weight on that side. Right. And when there is this big life change or when it's something that's literally taking up all of your free time, the bottom's going to have to fall out somewhere.
0: Right. I thought I could avoid that. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it was really sort of the home stretch, you think, that kind of got you, though?
0: Yeah. And then it was, uh, you know, if you focus on something that um a project that big for that long when you finally come up for air or come back to the pres- yeah. present year you also have personal relationships to tend to and repair because you know you haven't been there
1: come back to the present year is an interesting way of putting it I mean, yeah. you were in the 60s when you're writing I, this book i mean i've
0: had the people very close to me who know me really well will will be like yeah you were in 1968
1: day to day what does that mean
0: I was just it was my whole life the the whole time I was working on it it was yeah cuz if I wasn't doing an interview I was transcribing an interview or writing the chapter or reading research for the following chapter you know it was it was all encompassing and I knew I was going to work hard on it but I uh I didn't you know quite know and then you know when you're halfway through it you're like yeah, well, I have to, I have to finish it in the same manner. I can.
1: You can sort of start to maybe start to see the light at the end of that tunnel. at That point, and then that's what you mm-hmm. start sprinting.
0: It was exciting too. I yeah. mean, if it, people say it reads like a detective story, and that's because um, it, it kind of was. And the disco- the discoveries are told in the order mm-hmm. you know they happen to me. So, like in the last two weeks, I'm allowed to write. I suddenly have the. Secret Van Morrison tapes that I get to go play for the other musicians, and suddenly, uh, and I'm confronting Jim Queskin. I mean, it was like it it uh, it seemed kind of like a zany, weird, madcap mystery like movie almost that I was in. Was
1: there a complete transformation in the project in those last couple of weeks because you all of those things started falling in line? Well, okay, so
0: we start Ed and I. I was like, all right. The holy grails of the book are we, we get to hear these tapes and we find out what happened to Mel. Yeah. And both of those happened. and But they they happened at the, yeah. <laughs> the last moment they could. But Ed and I did plan um, endings for if, if those things didn't happen. How do we end the book if we don't hear the tapes? How do we end the book if we hear the tapes and they're no good? Out of me in the book, if um, we have no idea what happened to Mel, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So there were like contingency plans, but but the fact that it, that all um, kind of unspooled in the last few weeks is pretty bananas to me in hindsight.
1: Is the existence of the band just contingent on whether you have another album in you? I mean, that's what interests me. We're not a huge touring band. I just mean from the standpoint of of you know you as as the Primary, I guess kind of really only the, the, the songwriter in the band, when you say, hey, I'm working on a book, that just means there's no Hollow League of the Hills for that period of time. We, it
0: was on the back burner, but I, I was careful to not let it... I knew if I just ignored it, we'd be done, and I didn't want to be done with the band.
1: How did you sort of tend to that garden? Uh,
0: there, was, there was a tour where I was writing in the band. I remember that. And there was like a little improv EP... Oh. That we talked about in the last... Yeah, there were there were things I figured out how to do that weren't huge lifts that would keep us um, in forward motion. And an album was kind of ready to go when I got the book deal. So that came out, but it was already done. So, again, as we're saying all this... <laughs> An insane amount of too many
1: balls in the air. As the sort of the, you know, ostensible leader of, of the group, when you need to focus on other things in your life, are you able to let somebody else do some of the lifting for you?
0: Well, songwriting-wise, no. I mean, we we work on the songs together. I mean, I, I bring in the
1: the, yeah. the skeletons, you know, not... Um. (laughs) the song skeletons and all the other skeletons
0: yeah Yeah. the ones that keep in the closet well yeah
1: i mean everyone pitches in and and, and does stuff for sure but um is there someone else there to make sure that things don't fall apart when you can't be that person fall
0: apart i don't i mean to to keep the forward motion with the band uh i i need to be there but but they all almost everyone in the band has one, two, or more wonderful other bands they play with. So it's not like um, they uh, they put their instrument in a closet. Sure. You know, they keep sure. – Everyone keeps busy sure. too. And because our band provides no one's living, that pressure's off. Is
1: So why is there a sense then at this point that, the, you know, the band has been around for some time now? I discovered you guys at Arlene's Grocery to CMJ, however, God, many years 07. ago. Oh, seven. God, 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. At this point, why is it that there needs to be momentum to sorta keep things going? Can the band just, you know, not exist for a couple of years and then just put another?
0: Um, I, I bet it could. <laughs> I mean, I hate the indefinite hiatus. Yeah. I, I I think bands are more interesting when there is a end date. And so hmm. and so if we did that I would want to, at least in my mind, think, well, that's that's really it. I don't like, you know, the 3 year back burner or like we're going to take a few years off I, if, if we wanted to do that I would say it was over and so the forward momentum is because I love working with these guys my dear friends and I feel like we have like you know we get to new places together with the records and so there is a there is a sense of like well until you're sure you don't want it anymore don't yeah, Don't let that momentum die.
1: You're able to sort of quantify forward progress as far as the growth on the record, not necessarily, you know, the size of the venues you're playing.
0: That's very true. Yes. Yeah, because on paper or, you know, on the size of the venues we play or um, the number of records we sell, um, certainly – It hasn't been exponential. It's a a slow, slow crawl. And then, you know, as people get older, sometimes they stop paying attention to music. Sure,
1: This is like pretty much across the board. So many people I've spoken to where they're just like, it's such an indie rock thing where they're just like, I don't know. I don't know if it's me. I don't know (laughs) if it's just like the state of the industry. And I don't know how much of It's just that like people of a certain age, they've got kids and, you know, and, and aren't staying out as late, but like, man, kind of across the board, the bottom seems to have fallen out for a lot of musicians.
0: Yeah. And that's a complex, I mean, we could do a whole episode about that because it's like, well, clubs, if you're finding you're an artist, that's like that. Um, are clubs willing to have earlier shows for you? You know, they, there's kind of things that are said <laughs> yeah. like, no, we we have to sell whiskey till two a.m. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know? no brunch, no brunch. Uh... <laughs> well, people are figuring yeah, that out. Yeah. There's the house show yeah. circuit, and anyways, uh, yeah, I've always said that as long as enough people are with us, where um, pre-sales or or just general income generated by the band funds what we want to do next fairly easily. Yeah. Then, then I'm not going to whine and complain.
1: Do you feel like you broke through something here? You seem excited about this record in a way that you have in a long time. And and, and 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 let me just say, like an, anecdotally, up until this record, your first record was still my favorite record from yeah. you. which <laughs> that's I don't, fair. I mean, yeah, I've liked a lot of the music subsequently, but like I really love the first record. But this is, it feels different.
0: It, I agree. it Does feel different, and it's probably for the first time since at least 2014, I can see new people coming in the door. Not literally. Well, that too at the shows.
1: So your vision hasn't gone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I I, I can see. You can still see in the dark. (laughs) That's good. No, but I see people really word of mouth spreading this around. Do you think the book played a role in that? I think it helped. I think that definitely helped. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, someone joked on Twitter that – the book was all a long con to, to get people interested in the band. Sure. Which cracked me up. Yeah, people seem to emotionally latch onto this record in a way they haven't um, with the last few, I would
1: say. There's a very clear directness in a way that there hasn't been in your songwriting before. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you, you always had sort of that, like, Dylan esque approach. You were painting word pictures, and now, like, you've left, it seems like you've left a lot more of yourself on it. I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, I was I'm
0: always. I was always a lyricist who was mostly interested in language, or you know, kind of unusual ways to talk about emotions or people that you hadn't heard a million times.
1: I think you were. You, you had said at one point that one of your bandmates had basically, I don't know if "complained" is the right word, but oh, had, had said that you like. You will go to your grave refusing to explain some of these lyrics Well, that's
0: Nick, who is also a song a great songwriter and he would you know we would I would bring a new song and he'd be like, "What's it about?" which is an awful question to ask. I mean, it's fine that he does we he can ask me anything, but if I could say that easily, I wouldn't have written a song which you hear people try out that answer a lot but you I think, still would have written a song. Think, you enjoy the process of writing songs right but but the what the song's about isn't is contained within the song more than a couple sentences than I could say. but um, I, on this record you could tell there's a real person who's in a real crisis. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I would say you know it just felt okay here's what it, it felt okay to do and it also it started to help me get out of the jam the, and that's when I say the album's in the order it was written. Um, that, you know, the first song is kind of like, uh-oh, trouble. And then it is kind of trying to sing my way out of the problem. And then also I just felt at this point, um, you know, I'm 41 now, and um anytime any artist I admire has been honest in a, a way about something like this, it's been helpful to me. Yeah. So I thought, well, if it's my turn, I can't be a coward about it.
1: I mean, I assume that, you know, and this is probably the case for every musician to some degree, that music is sort of a a form of catharsis or is is sort of a way of, you know, kind of grappling with some issues. But had you used it that directly in the past?
0: No, not that directly. I'm sure it was – having an outlet helps everybody, I think. But this was literally near the end, like – what if I wrote a happy ending? <laughs> and then maybe it would come true. Yeah. That kind of thing.
1: The wrestlers call it, uh, you know, PMA, right? Positive mental attitude. But but this idea almost that you can will yourself. Uh-huh. You can will a happy ending for yourself. That's what I was thinking.
0: Did it work? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting when the album came out and I was doing a lot of press a couple of months ago. People were, both friends and fans, were reaching out like, are you okay? and um yep. i was like yeah that this is this is only out because it's over
1: <laughs> the the crisis is over you know i don't you don't uh, think that the album could have come out while you were still dealing with it
0: i think it would have been a bad idea or it would have been bad timing
1: bad for you personally or yeah, it would have been I'd, a worse album for it
0: no just bad let me think of this the <laughs> album came out while i was still. yeah i probably wouldn't have the right pers- perspective on it I don't know. That answers that question. Almost seems structurally impossible to me.
1: When you're writing a song while going through a really difficult time, it's impossible to some degree to play that song night after night and not relive that. Yeah,
0: I. That's something I think about a lot. Um, You know, I was nervous to. You know, at the album release show, we played the title track for the first time live ever, and. Hmm and the, the last two songs on the record. And um, I was nervous, like, is this going to feel awful? But there, again, it was something cathartic about it because um, I was singing about something I had been through, and also people were reacting in a way that seemed like it was helpful for them. So it, by the time I was singing them out loud, it seemed positive, thankfully.
1: What were you going through?
0: I was going through... Just a deep clinical depression, really deep.
1: Have you ever been through one before? I don't think so. Like you've been depressed, but I thought I, thought not. I had. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it, you know, and, and I think about this, like when people talk about recovery yeah. and hitting rock bottom where people think they've hit rock bottom, but they haven't hit right. rock bottom yet. Right, yeah. And I went through a point <laughs> in my life where I was also dealing with like, because like, you know, granted there were a lot of external forces as there were in your case, but like really a... a a pretty dark time and then once you go through that you're like oh th- no this is it this that is it. wasn't it this, yeah. this is the thing that people talk about
0: right it, yeah and like i said it, it scared me because i didn't know the way out yeah and i was starting to have like uh, weird identity questions that i would think about all day
1: <laughs> that are inherent
0: on the album what were you questioning like you know just like am i the, am i the same person you know or are my thoughts me? You know, just yeah, philosophical stuff. That's that, literally the that, first track of the right. album, right? And it all unspools from there, and also just like depression, and then not thinking that me continuing to stay alive was was it would be fine if I, you know, yeah. those those awful things where you're just like it doesn't it doesn't matter, yeah, and then you start to act reckless, and it's just terrible, so. And
1: you would move back in with your parents. which I, just but, yeah. sounds like an extra level of yeah. That's how I mean, bad they could be the best in the world. But even they so, are, they are. Yeah, but even so, like there's something really defeating about having. Oh to my do god! That. <laughs>
0: yeah, it just seemed, that, and that's you know that's an indicator of how um, bad it was. Um, and so, and that's where uh, you know just tried to re- regroup, but um, yeah, it's weird. Back with
1: your <laughs> yeah you know is there anything you know i i guess it's it's different to be honest about yourself on a record versus being honest about other people you know when you enter into a relationship with somebody yeah and you are an artist there's an understanding that to some degree like oh yeah
0: know, yeah
1: um and i'm sure that that is both complicated and made easier by being married to another right musician
0: yeah i mean our our whole relationship is like um it's interesting in that way because yeah. we're in it, but we're maybe we're also making art about it.
1: I had Marissa on the show, yeah. and when I did, like her album come out, and it's a relationship album <laughs> in a way that you don't want necessarily a relationship album written about you. I
0: know, and it's but we the, the the thing about us, uh, we before we met each other, we you know, dedicated our lives like our life is about art and creativity. Yeah, and so it was uh, it was part of the deal from the night we met each other. Um, but uh, it's weird and surreal, and um, uh, I just think she's an incredible artist. But uh, yeah, it can get it, there can it can be a hall of mirrors sometimes. <laughs> can, can you listen to that record? I haven't in a while. I thought I I did very carefully, and I love it. We're still married, but we're currently yeah. separated,
1: and I, okay. I guess in the same in the same way. You know, this idea of. Um, reliving some of the stuff while you're playing your own songs, like, yeah. is it more difficult when they're the other person's songs?
0: I seem to be able to transmute my songs into, like, I t- told you, like, yeah. a positive, got through it thing. And it's a little harder for the, the flip side. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that's, and it's a weird kind of, we're talking about, like,
1: weird. Ep- alchemy
0: like yeah you know it's a it's it's hard to talk about this and make sense but i I
1: appreciate years ago i dated a songwriter and um she never wrote a song about me until we broke up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was you know it wasn't like a we weren't married and but i was like does that say something about me that she didn't want to write a song about how great things were yeah you can start
0: to question yeah (laughs) all that stuff and so you know some bound, you put some boundaries in place and that's but it's also interesting that this is the first album ever where the song we wrote together uh the middle of the album born to blow it we wrote about almost a year ago exactly when i turned 40
1: it's it's interesting that that's right in the middle is there a significance i mean obviously chronological as you said before but yeah
0: just that it's in the
1: middle yeah <laughs> and that it's us too, it, um, you were able to sort of work when you're as you're doing with all of this sort of the different things in your life. You were able to sit down and work on a song together.
0: Yeah, and it was actually um, very. Um, it opened up communication. It was a positive thing. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a, um, it was a nice thing that had to happen then. You know, and uh, it's a f- very funny because that song is about taking personal responsibility for your fuck ups and for. A song to be written first person, but two people wrote it, and uh, that goes. I think that fits nicely with like the album's theme and the title and stuff.
1: How how did how did the songwriting process start on that song specifically? Well,
0: I had um, those um, funny kind of verses, mm-hmm. and then this super cheesy, um, self empowering chorus, <laughs> and I played it for her, and she was like, "Well." Those verses are w- brilliant, but um, that chorus sucks. And the whole yeah. feel—the whole feel should be dreamy. And so she started the arpeggio, yeah. kind of '50s vibe. And then we kind of rebuilt the choruses together, and then other words came
1: together. And so it was, and that was like an evening. It is an album very much about songwriting, in a lot of ways. Yep, there's that too. There's which I've always been careful about it's kind of navel-gazy or can be
0: yeah i i know and that's why i told the i mean i had this clause with the band like i'm just um i'm gonna try to not censor myself and i'm not try not to care what you guys think i'm just gonna bring in these songs (laughs) because i do care what they think and i want to i want to impress them
1: but you're you're not going to to go out of your way to change things specifically to impress them or to think you're cool
0: Exactly, and I and I said we'll carry this to fruition. But if it is um, a solipsistic cystic teenage diary smell to it when yeah. we're finished, we're just not putting it out. <laughs> At least that's what I told myself. Yeah, as a as an escape hatch. I, who knows? Because I didn't use it. Yeah. But also, exterior voices said, "No, this is um, worth people hearing." So.
1: Yeah. Why were you afraid to? examine it in that way during the process of making it um i don't i
0: didn't think that was good for the creative process Mm. for whatever reason whether that's smart or not and i've heard and there's records i i love that maybe do that kind of talk about writing or talk about the process of creativity that i love and then some are unlistenable so
1: i was aware of both it could be a or b <laughs> you there, know? there's something i bring up on the show a lot and, and i don't know if i think you might have been the one to tell me this or i might have just you know heard the story elsewhere but and maybe even i may have even read it in the book uh it's the story about van morrison about the lyrics to astral weeks coming to him while he was like sitting on the porch right?
0: yes no well
1: there's um have i been telling the story wrong the entire time well
0: no i mean he, the way he generated those theory uh lyrics was stream of consciousness yeah where uh, i know what you're talking about in the backyard of the porch i think that's when um one of his bandmates saw him working out a song okay but mostly he would sit at that apartment in front of the tape recorder for like an hour okay. or however long each reel was and just and and things would just come through him yeah and then, okay and then he would play it back and
1: so I've been I've been getting the it's pretty close though yeah I've, I've been getting I think enough of the um, enough of the skeleton right that 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 the the way I'm sort of using it to to explain things makes sense where where it's sort of a similar it's not quite the Rolling Stone satisfaction story right where that like almost came to him in a dream right he wakes up next right. morning plays it yeah but um, you know very much a very you know, fertile moment for him, yeah. where he's literally like channeling the music.
0: That's how he explains it, and
1: I often use that to ask people whether oh. stories like that are um, detrimental to artists because when you are not able to do that, huh? You know, uh, do you feel do you feel like a failure when oh. when when stuff comes more? It's more difficult to channel that.
0: Well, if you're someone who likes. I mean, there, I do think there are artists that um, do one or one of those things or the
1: other. But you want to think that that art is is effortless, right? That you're like channeling the muse. I think I don't. No, that's <laughs> I mean- the romantic notion, certainly. <laughs> but I, I like I, what I'm saying is, I like
0: artists who sound like, wow, that came to them, yeah. And I like artists who are like, wow, they set out to write that song and they did it perfectly. So, you know, I Craft- I find craftsmen, craftsmen, yeah. Uh, yeah. I find a lot of value in both. So. Um, I know what you mean though. Like, it's like, it's like people who don't feel ASMR. <laughs> it's like, do you feel, yeah. you know, that's kind of yeah, a litmus test no, these that days. Makes like sense, do you, Sure. Do you yeah. know what that, do you feel it? Yeah. Or,
1: or like, or the guy who couldn't see the magic eye, the sailboat magic yes, eye, exactly. right? You're yeah. just like, something's broken in my brain. Right. But I, but you know, maybe we're
0: just describing it wrong because to describe it like, oh, you know, he, he tapped into something and something came through him. I mean, you could also just be like, um, if you meditate for a year, you might get more in touch with your subconscious in this, and you might find ways to let your subconscious come through you. Yeah, which is very likely what we're actually yeah. talking about. Sure, you know sure, what sure, I mean? Sure. So there's if you if you want to look at that, if you have that as a problem, I think there are actual ways to stimulate yeah. that kind of moment. Yeah. And then you can decide, like, did what that stimulate, is that worth a damn or not?
1: Yeah, and, I, I guess yeah. just sort you know, like, occupying that, that headspace for so long and, and spending all this time writing a book that, you know, at least on the face of it is about this guy who, like, is, like, channeling yeah. music out of him. How does that impact the songwriting process on, on your end? And when inspiration is hard to come by. Does it make it more difficult when you realize there's people out there who are able to just sort of like let it flow through them?
0: I don't know. Cause I feel I, I, I feel sometimes the flow is on and then yeah. sometimes I feel like I've got a kernel of a story idea. I don't, um, I mean, I, when, when the truth is when I'm trying to write a song, I try to start not thinking much at all. Mm. Like I try, I do try to go to yeah. a blank, Place or a blank slate. Do you place? meditate? I off and on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's helpful for creativity. I, I think, I think definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, uh, the, uh, probably the more more interesting thing anecdote to tell you related to it's sort of related to what you just asked is, you know, writing the book and then writing the album and then writing about Van and Janet and then being in a relationship that's uh tied by creativity i i would did a book reading and um you know i talked all about how janet planet when she hears brown eyed girl she has to leave a grocery store you know and then you know that was just this story i told and then i left the reading and i went to a coffee shop and i'm standing in line i was like "Uh, excuse me i like rudely interrupted i was like who who is playing right now and it was my wife's yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I see you know, sometimes you think nonfiction, you know, you're writing about things that um could never happen to you or or you you write about it with a detached sense. Yeah. And it was just this moment of being like, Oh yeah, I'm not immune to any of this. All these all these things can happen to me too. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. W uh I mean, did, did it have, what was, was the, was the impact that it had on you similar to that of just like, uh, I can't, I can't be here while this was playing or is really just dawning on you that you had lived through a story that you had told the,
0: I think the second. Yeah. 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 I, I it wasn't that I needed to leave or anything. It was just, it was just like this, um, ex, this speaker is playing her, her voice in yeah. this coffee shop and I you know, uh, it was just a surreal moment.
1: Are you at a point where you're thinking about another another book? Is it? Do you have to wait? Is that a case of waiting for inspiration to strike?
0: Not inspiration, but I think dedication or locking on to something. But you really Be- do
1: need – you need like something that you feel like you can commit that much of your life to, right?
0: Yeah, because certain people were like, okay, like pick another city in another year. Yeah.
1: And like book deal two is locked.
0: Yeah. And you know, I think if there's any reason that a book works – is because I was genuinely
1: obsessed, for better or worse, for my own life. God, I'm trying to think of like, what 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 an equivalent to that would be? Almost like, um, what was the name of the uh, the mystery writer who did like Devil in a Blue Dress? And each oh. was like a oh. color.
0: Oh, um, uh, yeah, uh, Moses. Uh... Uh, Walter Mosley. Yes, I met him
1: once. Oh, yeah. I don't have an interesting story. Yeah. But. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no. But but of but of like, okay. Well, here's my gimmick. Oh, yeah. You know right. I mean? right in, 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 the, in the same way that, you know, dealing with a major labor record company, they're just like, all right, you did this thing. Like, right. now just just keep repeating that. Right, yeah. But that was a, a joke, right? <laughs> or <laughs> I, was I, it?
0: I would hope so. Well, I mean, it seemed like a viable option. But, you know, I love, I live in the city and I yeah. love it and I love the album. And that's why it works. So, um, I am working on a proposal for a second book, but, um. Uh, we'll see if it happens. But I know some things now. I know I need more time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, just some some protective yeah. self-care things to make sure I can do a good
1: job and be okay at the end. What, what, what does self-care mean in this case?
0: Oh, just now I know what it takes to write a, a nonfiction yeah. book, um, you know, advocating for enough time. To, to make
1: it was that the main thing i mean was that the thing that really um rubbed you raw was was just the amount of time it took to do it
0: yeah well yeah but i mean it wasn't an unreasonable amount of time i mean i could have reacted to that amount of time differently i could have you know i could have talked to less people
1: a reasonable for a guy who didn't quit his job and for a right, guy right. who's in a band right right and,
0: yeah yeah i've i've learned um that um there isn't a third end on the candle
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you
0: know and and burning from both ends is itself uh gonna catch up eventually so i just I, I know my limits now and you know how to fruitfully create stuff and work on stuff without um ending up
1: back at my parents house yeah <laughs> Can you distill though what was actually enjoyable enough about that experience that you would want to repeat that again? Uh, it was the thrill
0: and the honor of a lifetime. I mean not to get overly dramatic, but it was thrilling because, you know, I was figuring things out and putting a story together that had never been pieced together. Yeah. And that that was really really exciting. And then it was an honor because all of these musicians and all this art I really liked and the city I like and to you know be the person who gets to try to put that together yeah I didn't want to let people down who would give me so much of their time so um it was unlike I didn't have anything to compare it to it was completely new to me so it was you know
1: it was pretty hyped up <laughs> when you were on the other side of it, how long did it take for you to realize that it was in fact a good, positive experience and one that you would want to do again? I mean, because I assume that there was a, a period of time when you were sort of struggling right on the other side when you're like, I would never, I would never, like running a marathon, right? Yeah. For some reason, people run marathons again. Right, right. Yeah. But it's probably yeah. not because of the, the, you know, the five hours after the marathon. Exactly. Yeah. I would
0: say, I would say after, you know, people had time to read it and people started to write me letters or or talk to me after events um and genuinely thanking me and and also subjects of the book called not included you know thank you <laughs> thanking me for getting it right or you know this or that just i started to see how it was worth it because it really um it meant a lot to a lot of people yeah certainly more people have read that book than a, probably bought or listened to any single Hills album, I would say. Um, So it was also, it was a gigantic expansion of uh, reaching an audience um, and new people and people who weren't in my demographic. You know what I mean? It was Mm -hmm. like, it was, um, that was thrilling too, to talk to, you know, talk to people who I hadn't sent messages to before.
1: Writing a book versus putting out, out an album does one feel more rewarding than the other? It's,
0: you've asked me at a bad time because, <laughs> because i will well, talk to you in four years. Yeah. So let's do this yeah. in four years, but just the reaction to the book and then the reaction to the album, um, which has all been the last two years, um, both really rewarding and beyond expectations Yeah, and both special in their own unique way. So, I don't know. I'm pretty grateful right now. How long has a band
1: been a band? 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. Uh, and this is album seven? This is the seventh. Seventh yeah. album. Yeah. You wrote one book and you hit it out of the park. Yeah, like, yeah, it took a lot and and, and it really kind of wore on you. But you, you put this first book out and it, like, had a great response. The, I mean, you know, that... The, the band has been grinding. I mean, you know, you are sure, you are yeah. grinders, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, life are grinders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and
1: uh, you know, and, and you know, the, you know, grinding was like, you know, maybe a couple years of your life to do it, but, like... But, you know, there's
0: a... It's not unlike... It's, it's on a different scale completely, but, I mean, it could... The book path could mirror the yeah. band's path, where... You know, when you saw us and that first album came out, there was a excitement Mm. and reception that seemed like we were we were about to go eight tiers above where we were, and it just didn't work out that way. But in that moment, it really did, Um, and it's all fine how it has worked out. But you never know. You know, the success of one thing doesn't at all indicate the success of the second thing, and and to be honest, the less I care about um, things like success as long as I am happy with it that's a good baseline and then I'll start to work from there shuffle around it